When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome into another episode of the 25 Yards Later Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm the 3-0 Nick Luciano. And I'm the 0-3 Elijah Motika. It's funny how, you know, in the league of record where you all heard our draft, just one draft spot different makes apparently all the difference in... Hmm. Being undefeated and the top scorer in the league and um, scoring under 70 uh, in a PPR league this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I scored a very nice 69 points. Uh, and you, you, are, you aren't quite stating all the facts here. You are second in the league in scoring. Did I say first? Did I say I was first in scoring? You I'm sure did. If I, yeah. I did not mean to propagate fake news. Um, <laughs> That that was just uh, already, I guess, of uh, sleep. Is that <laughs> a future past? Brain. Maybe that's a future past. Maybe it's a future past. I bet I would have been the top scorer if I would have started overall wide receiver one Devonte Smith this past week, probably. Um, but or um, let's see, did I start James Robinson? Let's no. see here. No, I did. I and I didn't even start um, overall wider or overall running back three on the season, James Robinson. So, uh, yeah, I probably could have even done even better. But uh, yeah, well, you know, when a team is as stacked as this one, sometimes you just have to make sacrifices, and sometimes you know you have bench players that go off just because you're just too talented. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um so it is week we are entering week four in the nfl um and obviously some of us are having a better time than others <laughs> um although you are doing quite well in some other leagues as well um i know yeah. you're two and one in the uh dynasty our main dynasty league um crushed so, you like a grape last week yeah that's well week two right we didn't play yeah yeah week two week two yeah yes so crush tom yeah. not really i beat tom by like four points good game tom <laughs> um so yeah just uh some of us though in the leagues that matter the most you know sometimes some of us do better than others i just have a, a quick thing to say <laughs> adam set a trap for me in our league of record. Because if Adam had not drafted Cortland Sutton way above his ADP, then I would like have... Like in the second round, Yeah, in the it? second round, then I would have not tilted and felt spurned and felt like I had to pass along the BFF theft and draft Allen Robinson, who I am convinced you only selected to curse me because if i i wish that was the case <laughs> i would not have him in two leagues if, <laughs> if that was the case 
but I just man the the pain that Adam delivered me in the draft. He also drafted Cole Komet. If I if I remember correctly, he drafted Cole Komet way too soon. Uh, that and, tracks, yeah. And that's okay. I'm cool <laughs> with that one. But the pain that he gave me by taking Sutton so early that meant me meant that I paid it forward to steal your BFF has tanked my team to unbelievable depths. So Adam, I don't even know what to say to you. We we were discussing this uh, off mic, but um, who did you draft over again? Overall running back three, James Robinson, Marcos Valdez, Scantling. What one pick before Marcos Valdez or uh, James Robinson? Right. Uh, it, it was either one pick before, or it was like the opposite side, like the inside of the turn or something. I don't remember. It was. I picked in one round. Your next pick was James Robinson when I was back and forth between James Robinson and MVS. But I already had so many running backs on my team that I felt like I needed more dart throws at the wide receiver position because somebody named Adam took the (laughs) wide receiver that I was targeting. So I just kept drafting running backs. And then I had too many running backs to draft overall running back three, James Robinson. Man. All right, we are already quite off the rails. <laughs> um, so let's get into the show proper with our touchback player of the week. Um, this week was another three-way tie uh, between uh, the Cowboys' Brett Maher, Seahawks' Jason Myers, and the Jaguars' Riley Patterson, who all kicked six touchdowns. Congratulations to all of those players for having the most kicks that made their opponents start their next drive 25 yards later. You kicked it really far. You kicked it with your feet. You're the touchback player of the week. Congratulations! Elijah, how about you kick us off with some news? So, for the second week in a row... We have to have some sad piano because mm-hmm. the the new favorite nickname, best nickname ever given on the show to Fetch, Sterling Shepard. I tried to make Fetch happen and I cursed him because on okay. the last on the last play of the game, he wasn't even targeted. He wasn't even running full speed. And he tore his ACL. And sometimes things just go so poorly that you have to laugh. So I, I'm just so sad for Fetch. I'm sad for me. I'm sad for our show. Because uh, it was truly a stroke of brilliance that you had with that nickname. So uh, it was too appropriate was the issue. Because it was so appropriate <laughs> that the reason for it came true less than five days after you came up with it. Um, I will say that, like, it wasn't exclusively that he was injury-prone. He had, like, I think a career high of, like, 800 yards or something. Like, it's one thing to be kind of injury-prone and, like, but, like, extremely talented, like a Christian McCaffrey, a George Kittle. mm -hmm. Um, Sterling Shepard, a fine player. But 
kind of an average talent in my eyes. This was never it was like not really a game changer to where he was necessarily worth taking that injury risk anyways but obviously i'm sad for the player um he is certainly one that we have had a lot of on a lot of teams over the years and um yeah really disappointing for him um and of course to a lesser extent our show who will lose this just glorious nickname after one week but we'll just have I, i'm sure you will fall in love with another player year after year mm-hmm. and we will be able to make a new fetch yeah hopefully more fantasy relevant players will be players that i want to nickname because so far my favorite nicknames have been fetch and hands for hands who are effectively both <laughs> irrelevant now uh but that's okay uh let's let's dive back into some of this news here we got a couple of mentions of the cowboys uh, one in one direction, one in the other, uh, where Michael Gallup is apparently now physically, quote, fine and ready to go. So it looks like he'll be back for week four. If you've been stashing him, I wouldn't play him this week, uh, but I would just keep an eye on that. Hopefully uh, he can come in and start producing for the Cowboys. And then on that same note, we've got week six is apparently the most realistic return date for Dak as he recovers from his thumb injury. Uh, I had him as my starting quarterback in one league and dropped him with the perception that it wouldn't be until week nine or so. And now I feel foolish because it looks like he might be back sooner. So if he's on your waiver wire, then uh, I'd just go ahead and stash him now and be able to play him. I can't do that because he's no longer on my waiver wire in that league because someone took this advice. I don't necessarily... I. Obviously, he is a at full health. He is a great player. Um, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. I mean, we saw with Russell Wilson last year rushing back from a hand injury that the prognosis was a lot longer for. And then he came back a lot sooner, um, was really ineffective for most of the year. And I would not be super surprised if we see a similar situation with Dak where the original prognosis was like what two months or something yeah, and so to come back nine. With, within within a month is just kind of it's a little bold yeah well okay so maybe i set a trap for everybody else by dropping him uh, yeah that's what we'll go with yeah but i, Although, I would, was this in your was this in the league of record no it was in okay it was in the other league uh, okay well then league. you're you're actually good in those leagues so uh i guess yeah. you'll <laughs> we'll see um so anyways though i th- all of that said it hurts you not at all especially if you have an ir spot to go ahead and pick up Dak now put him on the ir spot don't start him his first week back just see what he looks like and if he sucks then you can drop him again but there's the upside that you have a top 10 quarterback that you got to scoop up off the waivers um Keenan Allen returned to practice on Wednesday, so it looks like he is probably finally going to come back. In unfortunate news for that team, uh, the Chargers left tackle Rashawn Slater is done for the year with a torn biceps tendon. Ouch. Uh, And this doesn't bode well for the already very injured Justin Herbert. So hopefully they can figure out a replacement that is worthwhile at left tackle there, but potentially looking down at the passing game in that case, even with the return of Keenan Allen. 
we were going to talk about some some spoilers for the later in the show. We're going to talk about some dinner rolls, um, which is again our nickname for uh, kind of wide receiver force with upside. And um, another key injury for the Chargers is Jalen Guyton, who was one of their wide receivers. He hadn't gotten a lot of of snaps and targets this year. But I do think that it does open up some opportunities also for Joshua Palmer, who is um, like kind of their wide receiver three. So he might be a player to look out for, especially since he garnered 17 targets over the last two weeks with Keenan Allen out of the lineup. So um, obviously Keenan Allen gets a lot more mm-hmm. <laughs> more targets, so his return will affect Palmer a lot more than Guyton's absence, but it could, it could op- open up some more opportunities for Palmer as well. Uh, only rostered in like 40% of leagues, so he might be on your waivers if you need some wide receiver depth. But there are some other wide receivers that I I actually like more that we'll talk about later. Cool. Um David Montgomery uh, suffered a pretty nasty ankle and knee injury, looking like a high ankle sprain type of situation in week three. Uh, looks like he might be out for a bit, and Khalil Herbert came in and dominated. Uh, David Montgomery, though, is listed as day-to-day, as we all are, uh, but is on the doubtful side of that for this week. Um Moving on from that, Hunter Renfro still not practicing as he recovers from his concussion. Mac Hollins went nuts this past week without him in the lineup. So just take a peek if he's on waivers, if Renfro keeps being out. Nick, I have a question. Oh, you you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say borderline must start while Renfro's out of the lineup. But yeah. that was all. Uh, so I have a question for you because Christian McCaffrey is dealing with a mystery quad injury that Matt Rule refuses to speculate on a timeline for. Uh, so who even is the backup in Carolina? Uh, my assumption would be it's still Chuba Hubbard, but um, I we haven't seen it this year. So um, trying to think of who else is on the roster, but um, I, I I haven't seen anything too concerning uh, about Christian McCaffrey, so I don't think I am super worried about it he's been on the injury report like literally every week this year Mm -hmm. with but it's usually with just like rest day type things yeah um foreman is kind of the only other running back on the roster i wouldn't though be even like entirely shocked if someone like lavishka chenault who had himself a game um this past week lined up in the backfield if uh cmc was out but yeah hubbard carried the load for the most part last year and would be a kind of the main option um if if cmc was to get hurt but i or was to not play but i at least at this point did not foresee that well if you are the manager that has cmc on your team just just keep an eye out if you happen to have a spare roster spot doesn't hurt to pick up the backup ahead of time Hopefully, though, CMC just uh, keeps playing. Um, Speaking, though, of players that are a little bit broken, all of the Lions are broken right now. 
uh, TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, DeAndre Swift, basically their top four skill players. Uh, we're all non-participants in Wednesday's practice. It looks like everybody but Swift could go this week. It seems like DeAndre Swift is pretty doubtful. So, But do keep an eye on it, especially Hawkinson was uh, held out of practice with a new injury today. So keep an eye on those. And we'll talk about their game a little bit later. But the, the line in that game has them favored by quite a bit. I'd be hard-pressed to think that they would keep that big line with basically all of their most talented players out. Uh, but we'll see. Um, and then just two more here. We've got Saints wide receivers also hurt. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry did not practice on Wednesday, although, although neither injury is deemed p- to be serious. Uh, so keep an eye on those. Chris Olave went nuts last week uh, and is even a better play than he already is if either of them are hurt. And last but not least, Zach Wilson is back. Crap. Well, unless you're like play, <laughs> unless you're uh, starting a fantasy defense against the Jets, I think is uh, which literally, literally we were talking about before the show of like now it's you pick up whoever's playing the Jets this week. Yeah, the Steelers defense solid play. Yes. Um, so we will now get into our previews. Um, I'm going to start off by talking about the Minnesota Vikings, who are quote unquote at the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Vikings are two and one. The Saints are one and two. This is the first London game of the year. It's a 43 and a half point over under, and the Vikings are favored by two and a half. It uh, it starts at six thirty a.m. where I live, so I'll be I'll be waking up early. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch your secret favorite team. So I, of course, no, no matter mean, what time they play, <laughs> of course. Um, luckily, I get to roll out of bed at about nine thirty in the morning. So. That's a, much more manageable for me. The one time it benefits me to be an <laughs> East Coast football fan. Um, so the uh, Vikings have had a up and down season, um, both beating the Packers and Lions and then having a bad loss as well. Um, and I think that it's the Saints have a pretty good defense. I mean, the Saints are in the bottom eight of fantasy points allowed across the board to everything except for fantasy defenses. So this is a tough matchup, and especially with the uh, traveling over to Europe. Um, We have seen some kind of wonky things over the years in the London games. So I wouldn't be super shocked if um, a lot of the skill players underperform that said like a player like justin jefferson i think could have a bounce back game um if not for nothing no other reason then he needs the return to. For, to the he needs the return to the mean after only having 14 yards um but i i think that overall yeah just kind of temper a lot of your expectations about these usual 
kind of must starts that that said they are not benches by any means um you're still starting dalvin cook you're still starting justin jefferson and adam thielen not really looking yet to still art uh kj osborne um unless an injury happened to adam thielen or justin jefferson even with the nice game that he had including a game-winning touchdown um and i'm not really I don't know if you have any different feelings. I don't personally really think of Irv Smith as a even back end tight end one. Um, even though he had six targets this past week. So uh, he's not really someone that I'm looking forward to or looking to start. Um, but yes, start the studs. Um, and uh, but with just tempered expectations. Yeah, uh, in regards to Irv Smith, he is one of the the handful of tight ends in the league that is talented enough that he could break off a big touchdown, and that's what you're hoping for. He, that's the extent of the hope. The six targets is not really a sticky target share. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he had. I, I mean, he has 16 targets on the season, so averaging about five and a third targets uh, a game. But it, it's like they're not great targets. There's there's a couple sixty eight yards through three games, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and there are just so many other talented pass catchers that he's not not the first or the second or the third option or maybe even the fourth option in the passing game, depending on uh, if they would ever start using Dalvin more in the passing game. Um, so I I agree with you essentially is what I'm saying on Irv Smith. Yeah, um, Dalvin's passing usage has been weird this year. He had no targets this past week. Um, another kind of note and something to keep in mind is that Dalvin is listed as questionable right now. Um, it looks like he uh, dislocated his shoulder, but we think that he is expected to play, but it's certainly something to be aware of, especially in a potentially early morning game that you might be asleep for the start of. Um, So, uh, you know, make sure that you have either plans to wake up early to make sure that he's playing. If you're planning to start him or that you have Alexander Madison uh, ready to go just in case he is in fact injured and out. Yeah, and Dalvin has been dealing with shoulder dislocation since high school. Uh, last year, he had this same exact injury, and everybody thought that he was going to be out, and then he came back really fast, and he had like one of the best games of his career last year uh, directly after dislocating his shoulder. So it, it seems like something that he's familiar with, and they put you know a, a brace on it, and he plays through it. So I expect him to play in what is fairly unique. I mean, DeAndre Swift's injury is a shoulder injury and it looks like he might be out for like three weeks. Um, But it seems like Dalvin is used to breaking his shoulders and having them go in weird directions. And then he's fine and he'll just come back and run over people. Um, Yes. So uh, the man is, he's a mystery. Some weird shoulders (laughs) for sure. (laughs) 
Elijah, how about you uh, talk about the Houston Texans next, a team that we don't get to talk about too often. Do I have to? I mean, you were the one that sent me like five Houston Texans stats on Monday morning. So yeah, that's true. It was my fault. I did this to myself. So uh, the Houston Texans are o two and one. They are playing uh, at home against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are one and two. It is a forty-four point over under, and the Chargers are favored by five. Last week, the Texans lost to the Bears. Uh, the Bears inexplicably are two and one. By the way, what the heck is that? Gross. <laughs> um. So this week, the reason that I was sending you all of these Houston Texans stats is because I have Brandon Cooks in many leagues. Uh, I have Damian Pierce in one league, and I'm just so confused uh, because Brandon Cooks, he's tenth in the NFL with a 30% target share, but he only has a 41% catch rate. He he's caught 13 of his 31 targets and he's averaging 5.1 yards per target. And that last year, the same guys, Davis Mills to Brandon Cooks, the connection worked. He's getting targets, but there's like nobody else that the defense is scared of. And mm. Davis Mills is just not getting him the ball accurately. He had seven targets this past week for two catches and 22 yards. He has no touchdowns on the season, and I'm just ugh, frustrated. Um, so, it's, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's understandable. Um, I think that we've we've seen him be a consistent enough wide receiver. That yes, this is a rough stretch, but I, I certainly don't think that he's in any sort of like cut territory. No. Um, it, you know, maybe bench him a week or two. Um, really make him feel the disappointment. Uh, but then this this week might be a, a nice week to start him. The Chargers have given up the six most points to wide receivers so far. Um, and as we said, he's really the best option that they have. So um, kind of, again, the targets are there. I think that the efficiency will improve um over the course of the season so uh i yeah i'm not even positive i would bench him this week again because mm. the chargers matchup is pretty nice well we'll have to talk about that some more uh because i've i currently have him benched uh in my league starting uh garrett wilson i think and curtis samuel over him in one league and then starting uh Cortland Sutton, Garrett Wilson, and Jamar Chase are my three starting wide receivers. I think I would be okay starting him over Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's obviously been great, but if uh, the The other Wilson Wilson, is coming back. Who throws um, not a wide receiver friendly ball, apparently. Yes. So with him coming back, I think I'd be certainly fine with starting Brandon Cooks over Garrett Wilson. Well, maybe I'll I'll hedge and I'll start him in one league over Garrett Wilson, and then the other league I'll start Garrett Wilson over him. But I do like the matchup. It's a good stat that uh, the Chargers give up the six most points to wide receivers and the six most points to running backs, uh, which brings us to our next player, Damian Pierce, who just go off, my guy. 
Uh, he had 20 rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown and caught two passes for 21 yards. He did fumble twice, uh, which apparently Levy Smith just didn't mind, uh, which was great. Because um, Rex Burke had only got three carries for nine yards and then was in their two-minute offense, you know, pass protecting and catching passes. But that's what we know is going to happen. And so Rex Burke had, did have four catches, but only for 21 yards. So Damian Pierce really showed out. And they've been talking the last few weeks about like, oh, we really got to get Damian Pierce involved. Uh, there was a great quote from Lovey Smith that was like, Damian Pierce, like, I'm not worried about Damian Pierce because he runs like the rest of the team needs to run with like passion and he finishes plays and the rest of the team needs to watch him play football and play football like him. Like that's a pretty wild quote to come from your head coach about a rookie after week two. So he handed the ball to Damian Pierce and didn't take it away. Even when Damian Pierce handed it away this past week. And so that does, especially with the chargers giving up the six most points to running backs, I do like Damian Pierce this week against the Chargers in this matchup. Um, yeah, do you think of him kind of... I'm thinking of him as kind of a high-end RB2 this week. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of the range that you're thinking of as well? Yeah, absolutely. He's been... So far this season, he is definitely up You know, before last week, was in like the running back three flex kind of territory. Uh, but I think with the performance last week, and how the coaching staff has been talking about him hopping up into a high-end RB2, especially considering the matchup. And after that, on this team, you're not starting Davis Mills. You're not starting Nico Collins. You could, with the matchup, start Nico Collins as a dynasty dart throw or as a daily dart throw. Uh, And, I mean, he's somebody that lots of folks have in dynasty leagues. So if you're thin at wide receiver, there are worse starts than Nico Collins. And you're not starting Brevin Jordan or Jordan Akins or OJ Howard, who has laughably OJ Howard on his three catches, has more yards than Jordan Akins and Brevin Jordan combined, and more touchdowns. So that's well, fun. it's hard to it's hard it's not too hard, I guess, to beat uh, three catches for eight yards for Brevin Jordan on the season. No, no it's not. No, it is not. Uh, but yeah. So that's it. Uh, that's it for the Texans. Thank you for reassuring me on Brandon Cooks because I was a little frustrated and I needed that uh, that therapy today. Appreciate you. No worry, dude. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so the next team we're going to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks, um, who are taking on the Detroit Lions. Both teams are one and two. Has kind of a surprisingly high 50 point over under, but that is probably because the Detroit Lions are the top scoring team in the entire league. Um, the Lions are also favored by four and a half points. What? Yeah, I, <laughs> what I is this? Especially if, if all their players are hurt, I would bet on uh, the Seahawks with the points. Um, I, I will say the main reason the Seahawks are in this uh, preview is because the lions have just been bleeding fantasy points. Um, they are the only team in the league that has allowed the, um, or, or is within the top 10 
in fantasy points allowed. So the most points allowed per position for the entire offense. (laughs) They have given up the fifth most points to quarterbacks, the most points to running backs, the eighth most points to wide receivers and the 10th to tight ends. So I think that. Yeah, that is not that is a pretty atrocious defense. And that is why an otherwise lackluster Seattle offense is getting previewed in the spot. (laughs) Um, I think that all of the main like the actual main players are viable this week. Like, I think even Geno Smith might be a viable streamer at quarterback. Um, the, or Rashad Penny, I think, and both him and Ken Walker, um, obviously Ken Walker is a lot more risky of a pick. Um, but I think both of them might be viable at least, uh, as flexes and then Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf obviously are viable as kind of risky wide receiver twos, I think. Um, even though I tell like it's so tough because I he's obviously so talented and he's had so many great years, but I have never felt comfortable starting him because mm-hmm. I I'm always know that it's going to be the game that he has like two catches for 19 yards. But, um, yeah, I, I think that this is certainly an opportunity and with the high over under with the just again atrocious Lions defense that he could have another solid game after going nine for 76 this past week. Um, DK Metcalf as well, I think is in line for a good game. Um, Noah Fant is kind of the only other fantasy relevant player in this, in this tilt. Eh, not really looking to play him even in this pretty juicy matchup, but. Um, these other players I do think are all viable um, at the very least as flexes. I think he's more Noah Kant. Oh. Got him. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't start Noah Fan. It's like, it's so tough. I mean, I started hating Hurst last week and he had a catch for like seven yards. So you do what you can. I guess, though, given the matchup, 10th most fantasy points to tight ends. You could do worse than Noah Fant, who had four targets, but not really loving the start for him there. I do, I'm still so wary about Rashad Penny. He had more, uh, you know, more touches this past week, and Travis Homer's on the IR, so that's one less running back to potentially steal touches away. But I'm just, man, I'm pretty scared. Are are you okay with Ken Walker as a flex pick this week? Um, not a lot of opportunities this last week, but I think as he gets more acclimated in the offense, he'll be more involved. And I I just think that in a matchup that where the, the Lions have allowed the most points to running backs, he's has a chance to do something this week. If I'm flexing one, it's gonna be Penny. I mean. Not even like barely more than 30 yards for Walker last week. And he is still so new to the offense. I just, I don't know. I don't see it. 
Uh, and Geno Smith has been throwing the ball quite a bit. So I think that the limited rushing attempts that are going to happen, the ball carrier is going to be Penny. And then the pass catching numbers are going to be split between DJ Dallas and Ken Walker. So it's really tough to trust any of the running backs. But if I had to start one in a flex, it would be Penny. But I'd be like, you know, I'd have my my fingers covering my eyes while I watched the game because uh, I wouldn't really feel great about it, even given this fantastic matchup. It's admitted, like it, it's admittedly a very risky flex. I, sure. I there are tons of players I would rather flex over Ken Walker, but if you have not much of a choice, I think that the potential is there that he maybe gets double digit touches and maybe breaks a long run or a long catch or something. Yeah. Um, um, but so, yeah, not a whole lot to talk about with the Seahawks, but in just, again, this wonderful matchup against the lions, we felt like we may as well get some, some Seahawks talk in there. Um, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back on the other side with more previews. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcasts here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we are back. So, Elijah, you are going to talk to us about the beloved fellow Ohio team, the Cleveland Browns. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> they are 2-1. and one. They are at the Atlanta Falcons, who are 1-2. and two. Can you not even, like, say their name? <laughs> like, the, the, the Washington Commanders' previous name, where we just all kind of avoided saying it for, for uh-huh. like, three years? The the team no I I can say the Cleveland Browns. There's lots of people that I love that are Browns fans. They they're wrong about their fandom. They picked the wrong Ohio team, but uh, you know the sometimes you just can't choose your team. So the Cleveland Browns is is the name of the team that I am previewing, and they are two and one. They are playing the Falcons in Atlanta, who are one and two. A surprisingly high forty nine and a half point over under in this one. The Browns are favored on the road by a point and a half. Last week, they beat the Steelers pretty soundly, 29 to 17, which is a sort of weird score. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but in the doc here, you said Jake Brisket is their quarterback. Yes. So first of all, I want to say that um, I would... I'm not really a betting person, and I do think the line may have shrunk a little bit since then. But if you're able to get Browns, like if you're able to get 49 and a half points for the Browns to over under, um, I would smash that. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's still listed at 49 uh, on some sites, so hasn't quite fallen yet. But I, I think that that against kind of a mediocre Falcons offense. Uh, a team led by Jacoby Brissett versus Marcus Mariota, a smash <laughs> under 49 and a half. Um, so Jake Brisket is a, um, I, I would say it's a joke just for me, but it is a, uh, it is actually not a joke just for me. 
the uh, around the NFL podcast nicknamed him Jake Brisket, mm-hmm. it, with accompanied by a very um, saucy kind of voiceover where a sultry female voice says, "Slice me off a piece of that Jake Brisket." Mm. <laughs> All right. And so the that is the uh where Jake Brisket came from in the show doc. Okay, perfect. So just stealing directly from another uh NFL. Well, it wasn't exactly supposed <laughs> to be in the show. Oh, uh, well, you should have warned me. Uh well, I I'll have to go listen to that to that pod and uh listen to that sultry smooth voice. Uh, One of the most popular NFL podcasts in the world. So yeah. <laughs> okay. I I could probably find it. I'll check it out. Uh, so Jacoby Brissett had a really interesting line full of twos this week. Uh, two hundred and twenty passing yards and two touchdowns on twenty one completions. I mean, I don't know that in the just... year twenty twenty two. It's all connected. Um, but this game or this uh, offense is really predicated on the running game and Nick Chubb proved that to us once again with 23 rushes for 113 yards and a touchdown his fourth of the year and Kareem Hunt also had an additional 12 rushing attempts to go along with his four targets and it's really those two guys plus Amari Cooper who has renewed life these last couple weeks. Uh, just you know, seven catches for 101 and a touchdown, and he looks great. I don't know if you've been able to watch any of the Browns games, but he looks absolutely ridiculous on the field. There's a, a, this toe-tap sideline touch that just was as clean as you'll ever see, and he looked like, I don't know, a, a young Amari Cooper. Um, I definitely did watch one game as they beat my Carolina Panthers. Hmm. Um, I seem to remember him being non-existent in that game, but since then has done pretty well. Donovan Peoples-Jones had like 11 targets in that game and has had four since then. So, yeah. So, yeah. So at least you you got to see him when he wasn't quite warmed up yet, I guess. Uh, Yes. But he's ready now. Uh, Amari Cooper's an every week start. Wide receiver two for me, which is great for our uh, our dynasty league that we yes. took over at Orphan for and don't have a lot of good players. <laughs> but it, it's really, that's the offense. And I picked up David and Joku to start this week because the Falcons give up the second most points to tight ends. And David and Joku had himself a day. Best fantasy performance, NFL performance of his entire career with uh 89 yard oh wait no he had a great game incorrect last year, right? <laughs> yeah he had, uh, so this is this is my this is my feeling about it we've kind of seen this before i almost think that it was like the exact same week i have to look it up but yeah he had a monster game he had like 170 yards yeah, or something right. just absolutely stupid last year in one game um and then I think it had maybe that combined the rest of the season. I think um, I think what it was is that I saw this was the here. most targets and catches that he had ever had in a game. So not necessarily the best fantasy performance because I think that 170 yard game was on like four catches or something. 
Let's see here. So 149 yards. Um, it was seven targets and seven catches. Mm-hmm. Um, but 149 and one touchdown against the Chargers in week five. He finished the year with 475 yards. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. And, and this isn't plus he had a 76 yards in week one that year. I just it was an it was an impressive performance. I drafted Njoku in a bunch of places this year. I had him rostered in our dynasty league. I just don't think I'm buying it. I, I we'll see if he is able to sustain it a little bit this year. But um, and like the Browns certainly need it because, mm-hmm. as we said, they don't really have a lot of receiving options outside of Amari Cooper right now. And they did franchise tag uh, Njoku. So it's, you know, it would be nice if their theoretically franchise player played like a franchise player. I'm just not super buying it. um, Because as we said, we saw this once last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I agree with you. I don't think Njoku is somebody that you can start every week. But I do think in this matchup, with how many points the Falcons give up to tight ends, that you can you know, ride the hot hand with Njoku. It, very curious quote. I'm, I'm wondering what you think about this from the head coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski, this week. Said that coverage schemes will dictate Njoku's involvement in the passing offense. Quote, we've talked about it. There are games where coverage dictates the ball goes elsewhere and he blocks his rear end off. So. What what does that mean? Yeah, I saw that quote earlier this week too, and I had no. I was like, I I might show this to Elijah, <laughs> but I don't know what it means either. So I don't know, and I admittedly don't know enough about coverages. Maybe if you know something about coverages, that quote makes sense. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. To me, no. to me, what it sounds like is that there isn't a direct plan to get David and Joku involved in the passing game. That if he's there, if the defense is giving that option to them, then they'll take it. But he's not going to be a focal point of the offense. And so that's at least how I interpret the quote. Who knows what the heck Kevin Stefanski is saying? But that's my best guess. And so I think in this in this game where the Falcons are really strong against opposing running backs, they don't give up a lot of points to opposing running backs. We'll see. Maybe that stat changes after they meet Nick Chubb this week. But they do give up a lot of points to wide receivers and tight ends that maybe David Njoku, maybe the coverage will dictate that the ball goes to him this week a little bit more. So I am starting. I picked up and I'm starting David Njoku in a league. Obviously, you're starting Nick Chubb every week. You're going to start Amari Cooper every week. And I think Kareem Hunt is still a flex-worthy play this week just because he has a lot of involvement, but I'm a little bit wary on the fact that the Falcons don't give up as many points to the running back position. I think it should be an interesting game, and I agree with you. Smash the under on this one if you are betting on the lines. And that's all I've got to say about that. 
My one caveat is that pretty much every time I've given betting advice on the show, it's been wrong. So um, much better at fantasy analysis than I am at over-unders and, you and, me both. Uh, and lines. But um, yes, I, that that both of us, that number struck us as weird pretty much immediately. So um, yeah, I think that that feels like a safer bet for the under. Um, the next team we are going to talk about is the uh, the version of my team in the <laughs> the NFL's version of my team in the League of Record, the mm-hmm. Red Hot Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. at 3-0 and um, versus the 2-1 and Jacksonville Jaguars. It is a 48 point over under and the Eagles are favored by six and a half. The Eagles are absolutely flying high. They have been absolutely dominant so far this year. Um, Jalen Hurts is a potential MVP candidate um, with already almost a thousand yards passing to go along with uh, 167 yards rushing, seven total touchdowns and just one interception. Um, has been playing really phenomenally and uh, is kind of showing us everything that we were hoping for to see if the Eagles could take a step forward this year. Um, the uh, Both of the wide receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are uh, very strong plays pretty much every week. Um, I think A.J. Brown is very solidly in the wide receiver one discussions, if not like the top half of the wide receiver ones. Um, and Devonte Smith is probably a high upside wide receiver too. Um, he did have the one goose to start the year, but has been pretty good. And in fact, this last week, absolutely phenomenal since then. And I think both of them are strong plays against a Jaguars team that is middle of the pack against stopping fantasy wide receivers. Um, The running backs, on the other hand, are a little bit harder to parse. Clearly, Miles Sanders is the leader in the backfield. Um, He had 15 rushes this past week to only three from Kenneth Gainwell. but is hasn't been particularly efficient on them. Um, it has scored a touchdown, but has not scored a lot of touchdowns throughout his career. Um, and there's also obviously the threat of Jalen Hurts vulturing a touchdown. Um, I view Sanders as a much riskier um, kind of probably back end running back two, if not almost maybe borderline running back three, but I think in he's probably still in the running back two range, but is certainly again, a much riskier prospect. And also to mention that he was limited in practice today with a hip injury. We don't really know much about that, but it's something to be aware of if they're going to reduce his reps a little bit with some talented running backs that they have on the team. And like you mentioned, Jalen Hurts is getting somewhere between five and 10 rushes per game. 
and they're utilizing him around the goal line as well. So I think that there's high touchdown upside for Miles Sanders, but the workload is not going to be massive. Yeah, and if a, if Sanders was to miss for some reason, Gainwell plugs in immediately as a running back to himself. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. If Sanders is ruled out, go ahead and uh, swing out, swing over to the waiver wire, pick up Gainwell, plug him into your lineup if you need, um, and you will probably be successful in that. Um, only other fantasy option here that we're looking at is Dallas Goddard, um, who I think is uh, back end tight end one, um, high end tight end two. The volume has been a little disappointing this year, um, but I think that the other two players um, in AJ Brown and Devonte Smith have just been so good that he has been forgotten a little bit as the third option, but in the pretty dismal tight end landscape, he at least has some touchdown upside and some target upside. So um, I, I will say the Jaguars are a tough matchup against fantasy tight ends through three, three games, but um, yeah, you kind of just got to do what you got to do with the tight end position. Yeah, and I would say as well, the Eagles defense is somebody that a lot of people started last week, and many folks are going to look and say, oh, it's the Jaguars. Yeah, Eagles are another great start, and they are a great defense. They're playing really well. But up until this point, uh, the Jaguars, they are the best team against opposing fantasy defenses. That's wild, right? <laughs> uh, so something to be, you know, keeping an eye on. I don't think that, you know, you're not going to get negative points from the Eagles' defense. I don't think because they pressure the passer so much. They're probably going to get some sacks. They'll probably get at least one turnover. But the Jaguars have been really taking care of the ball and not giving up sacks. So be wary of that if you're planning on starting the Eagles' defense. And uh, um, with that, yeah. let's talk about the last team, shall we? Yes. So I don't know how this happened, but I'm going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers now and who I, I like even less. I, I can tell now. you how it happened. It was it was Nick, choose the two that you want to pick and I'll just talk about the last one that. Uh... That's true. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We know exactly how this happened. Uh, well, I've again, I've done this to myself and here we are. I hope that everybody enjoys listening to it. The Steelers are playing the Jets. In a 40 and a half point over under Steelers are at home favored by three and a half points, which is like, man, I feel like that line should be bigger, but both teams kind of suck. And this could, they, they haven't mentioned it yet. The team hasn't, but I feel like this might end up being the last game for Mitch Trubisky because there are whispers from the bushes and around the corners everywhere that they want Kenny Pickett to play because Mr. Trubisky has looked so, so bad. Uh, yeah, but the... the no, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. Well, hmm. Okay, so we're looking at the schedule. Yeah, yeah, okay. It would take a lot... It would take an embarrassing loss to the Jets, I think, to for Mitch Trubisky to get benched. 
Mm-hmm. I, which is pretty much any loss to the Jets. <laughs> it's an embarrassing <laughs> loss to the Jets. Um, upcoming schedule, though. Next week, they take on the Buffalo Bills. Mm. I would say that that could be the last game with Mitch Trubisky. However, the following week, they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. I would say that that could be the last game with Mitch Trubisky. However, they the next I, I'm trying to in this to find a nice plum matchup for them after the bye. so like Mitch Trubisky looks really good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so after the Buccaneers, they take on the Dolphins, mm-hmm. who are undefeated. After that, they take on the Eagles, right? <laughs> Um, and then it looks like they have a bye, and then they take on the Saints. Like, it's just an absolute murderer's row of of defenses. And I, I mean, I very much think, I, I don't think that this will be the last week with Mitch Trubisky, just because it's the Jets. One of those five weeks is will be the last week of Mitch Trubisky, whether it's from ineffectiveness or him just getting murdered on the field. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's hard to say because, like, again, you would kind of expect that they would want a nice plum matchup for Kenny Pickett to come in. That plum matchup is not coming until probably December against the Falcons. Unless the Bengals are really bad at pass defense, and that is November twentieth. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. That's if they want to protect Kenny Pickett. I guess that they're not going to start him for a little bit. But man, has Mitch Trubisky looked pretty rough. Uh, and beyond that, for the rest of the offense, I think this is actually a really, really simple team. You're starting Najee Harris because you drafted him in the first round. I don't really think that, you know, if you had drafted Najee Harris in the sixth round, I don't know that you have to start Najee Harris. He, he's getting a lot of opportunities, but he's incredibly inefficient with those opportunities to this point in the season. Uh, he's averaging three yards a carry, essentially. And Jalen Warren behind him has looked fine, but not excellent. But he is somebody that were Najee to go down and stay hurt, Jalen Warren could plug right in and he's going to get all the work. And then Deontay Johnson has been great in PPR league. Still no touchdowns, but eight catches for 84 yards last week. And then you're not going to, despite the amazing one-handed catch that George Pickens had, you're not starting Pickens. You're not starting Claypool. And you are starting Pat Fryermuth because tight ends and he's sort of involved. And this is overall against the Jets, a pretty decent matchup all the way across the board where you can start them. And I honestly think that the best start for the Steelers this week is the Steelers defense with the introduction, the reintroduction of Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco has been giving up the eighth most points to opposing defenses. And uh, I think that Zach Wilson's going to be worse. So, I'm firing up the Steelers D and then you're starting Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris and you're not feeling too great about either of those and you're starting Pat Frymuth and you never feel great about starting a tight end unless their name is <laughs> Darren Waller or Zach Ertz or Mark Andrews. 
Zach Ertz. Oh, man. What what was I thinking? Uh, Are you trying to go for Travis Kelsey? The other old man. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going going for. I I don't know what just happened. Honestly, I was so flabbergasted (laughs) by the the horrendous Pittsburgh Steelers that I I forgot names. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're feeling better about starting Zach Ertz than a lot of tight ends, I guess. Yeah. But he's not in the top three. Um, I think that I think that Najee Harris is a fine play. Uh, obviously he was inefficient. This was pretty much what we already knew coming into the year. Um, was that it was going to be a lot of volume and hopefully a lot of touchdowns, and maybe he would retain some of the passing game work that he saw with Big Ben, but um. I think that at the very least a volume based play in a game where the Steelers are favored against a Jets team that has given up top 10 most points to fantasy uh, running backs. I think that Harris is a fine play. Um, again, I I don't expect this to be Mitch Trubisky's last game for the Steelers because it's the Jets. And um, as such, I don't expect him to have an atrocious game. So I think, yeah, Deontay Johnson is a fine play. Although, um, it, even though the Ch- Clay- Chase Claypool and George Pickens have gotten v- some passing volume, you're, again, probably not going to start them. And it's tough. You know, you mentioned that Najee's a volume-based play, but even just looking at the other running backs and the volumes that the volume that they've gotten over the course of the season, he has less rushing attempts than Miles Sanders obviously less than Nick Chubb by over 20. He has less rushing attempts than Damian Pierce even, and only has a few more than Rashad Penny. So he's not really, he he does have some targets and receptions that help that out, but he's really not a volume play so far this year, which is why he's been so disappointing. Because with 15, if he gets 15 carries a game, that is not enough at three yards a carry to to really carry your team uh so i'm a little weary i think this you know this matchup against the jets you're starting Najee harris but i am i'm nervous i don't know you have him on a roster how have you felt through three weeks um i think i felt pretty fine um i mean it is the roster where i am undefeated so clearly he hasn't affected me too much um you so in the scoring format that we have he scored 10 13.9 and 13.1 points you obviously do want more from a running back that you drafted in the first round but i he's certainly not killing you he's giving you usable fantasy performances because of the volume the floor is there and i think at some point and it may well be this week against the jets um i i do think that a big performance will happen um but in the meantime again he's not killing you so i i've been comfortable with him so far all right fair enough that's yeah that's good enough for me (laughs) so let's wrap up with some speed round And I'm going to start off with some players that I think are going to be dinner rolls for this year. 
Um, we already talked about Joshua Palmer a little bit. Uh, Zay Jones is probably the top option on this list so far. Um, he has had 24 targets through three weeks, um, has had double digit fantasy points in two of three games and seems to be the Jaguars number two wide receiver and is still only rostered in 15% of sleeper leagues. Um, he's also been, or he's also 20th on the season in targets per route run. Um, and that's across the entire league. So uh, that's, again, a metric that we're trying to emphasize a little bit more as far as indicating future success for wide receivers. So I think that Zay Jones is a viable pickup and borderline a viable flex every week. Um, he's been very solid so far this year. Uh, Romeo Dobbs of the uh, Green Bay Packers, um, despite having all the offseason hype and having a fairly good year so far this year he's still just rostered in 41 percent of sleeper leagues um he caught all eight of his targets this past week for 73 yards and a touchdown and uh the reports from espn's packers beat writer rob demovsky um were that he thinks that dobbs could end up as the packers number one wide receiver so um, if he's still out on your waivers, which there's a s- almost 60% chance of, um, go ahead and scoop him up and he might end up being a league winner by the end of the year. Um, another player that is uh, largely unrostered is uh, Cardinals wide receiver Greg Dortch, who has had a very nice year despite being a undrafted player who's bounced around the league and is uh came into the year basically unknown to the nfl landscape outside of a couple of wake forest fans who who remembered him from when he was tearing it up a couple of years ago at wake forest um rostered again in only 35 percent of leagues he's had at least four catches and 55 yards in all three games so far and played at least 80 percent of snaps in two of three games i think that he could potentially supplant rondale Moore even when Moore comes back um and elijah earlier today we were talking about him brought up aj green which i was probably the biggest scoff that I've had all day. So um, I I think that, uh, yeah, Dorch is a very nice option at the very least until DeAndre Hopkins comes back and potentially will still be at least a little bit viable even past then. Um, The most spec and the, the the very long speed round I know, but my last, uh, dinner roll player is uh the most speculative of the bunch and that is colts alec pierce um he is was targeted on roughly 25 percent of his routes run this last week which is a very solid number uh pierce has a path to targets on the colts um who have an otherwise generally lackluster receiving group outside of michael pittman um 
So I think that he is certainly worth a stash to see if he ends up picking it up as the year goes along. He is a rookie, so we do often see these players get better throughout the year and uh, end up being potential league winners down the stretch. So talking about wide receivers and people that catch the ball, there are four players in the NFL individual players that have more receiving yards than the entire Chicago Bears team. They're simply not throwing the ball, and I'm okay cutting bait with literally every option in that passing game, including Darnell Mooney and including my very unfortunate BFF, Cole Komet. I'm sorry, Cole. It's just not working out. We should really have a contest each year to see who gives up on their on their, <laughs> their BFF first. Well, I win. Um, Trey Lance was unfairly ripped from me, so mm-hmm. that one doesn't count. Yep, for sure. Um, speaking of players that I love, um, we've already talked about James Robinson, the running back three on the year. Um, and... I personally very much believed in him, even as it looked like he would be irrelevant uh, with the return of Travis Etienne. Uh, All this said, uh, there are very few players that I am less comfortable starting this week when the Jags take on the Eagles. Um, So the Eagles have given up the, the 11th most points to fantasy running backs, which sounds really good. But a lot of that was on um, DeAndre Swift's running back three performance and Jamal Williams's two touchdowns in week in week one. Uh, since then, they held Dalvin Cook to thirty six yards and Antonio Gibson to forty total yards. Um, although he did save his day with a touchdown, so the Eagles have only law- allowed fifteen real life points the last two weeks so not a lot of points get to go around the defense is playing lights out um and uh, the nice thing about james robinson is that you probably drafted him late enough to where you might have some other pivot options um but if you are forced to start him i would maybe try to have some more upside plays because i'm not super excited about him uh, overall this week so james winston didn't practice wednesday and you know he's dealing with four fractures in his back so this could be the andy dalton show and that's not actually what the speed round item is about it's about Taysom hill who is tight end eligible in every league because he's listed as a tight end so he might potentially be getting more quarterback snaps and you could slot him in as your tight end for this game that they have in London, it's like super crazy risky. Maybe this is only in daily or a super deep league, but maybe you start Taysom Hill at tight end this week with the potential that he gets an extra five or 10 snaps with the ball in his hands because he's a guy that we know can rip off a big play. So we talked a little earlier about how the Lions have given up um, or the most points across all o- the all offensive positions there in the top ten in points allowed. 
And um, they are certainly the only team that that is the case for. Uh, but there is only one team that has done the same, but in the top five for three positions. And that is the Baltimore Ravens. Was that was that description clear enough, Elijah? Was that too many numbers? The Baltimore Ravens a... give up a lot of points to quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Yes. Um, it's really shocking almost how much they have given up the second most points to fantasy quarterbacks the fifth most points to fantasy running backs and the most points to fantasy wide receivers. Um, again, the only team to be in the top five in three of those categories uh, across the entire league. Obviously this is skewed by Tua's massive game against them, but they've also given up more than 300 passing yards in all three games this year, including two players such as Joe Flacco and um, a player that's fine, but has a relatively low ceiling in Mac Jones. Um, I'm sure though, that they'll be able to figure it out um, just in time for their opponent this week. The Buffalo Bills. Start everybody. (laughs) Yes, start all the Bills. (laughs) And lastly here, I saw this tweet from ESPN's Mike Clay, who perfectly articulated something that I have been feeling and been afraid of. So the Chiefs leader in running back snaps snaps so far. Week one, Jarek McKinnon. Week two, Jarek McKinnon. Week three, Jarek McKinnon. And I am so scared of Clyde Edwards-Alaire right now. He has four touchdowns in three games, which is a totally unsustainable rate. And he isn't even seeing the field for 40% of snaps in a game. It was under 20. It was around 25 snaps or 25% of the snaps this last game. So I have him in a couple of leagues and I am trying desperately to trade him high, package him for a reliable running back one with another wide receiver package because it's inevitable that his production comes down and you don't want to be holding the bag when it does. And that is our show. So I'm Nick Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick G Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. You can follow me on Twitter at Elijah Motika and be sure to follow the show on Twitter as well at 25YLFF and rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening and we will see you 25 yards later. Thank you for listening to 25 Yards Later, Sports Obsesses Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. Audio editing by Mitch Proctor and music by Elijah Motika.